I'm really excited about today's film. Do you even know how excited I am, Tuesday? I can only fathom. <laughs> well, um, I need to throw out a disclaimer here. I love Wes Anderson movies. Like, I really love them. And today's movie is his latest film, and uh, it is a foray into stop-motion animation once again. I could really give or take uh, Wes Anderson movies. I've enjoyed some in the past, and others, I think, have fallen short. So let's see what today brings. Well, grab your drink and your snacks. It's time for Whiskey and Popcorn. So, Isle of Dogs, it's Wes Anderson's second feature-length film that's animated, but he is not actually a stranger to animation. Quite a few of his films make use of the stop-motion animation style, and The Life Aquatic with Steve Rousseau used it quite a bit. Fantastic Mr. Fox was his first fully animated film, and I have to be honest right up here, uh, that movie is my least favorite Wes Anderson film. It just did not hit home the way his other films did. Uh, I kind of felt like that was a waste of money for me. Uh, Did you end up seeing that movie? On on one of our rare occurrences, I will completely agree. I actually couldn't even get through the movie. So that uh, that was a fall for me, but I also did enjoy Life Aquatic. That was been at the top for a while. Life Aquatic, uh, the Darjeeling Limited. I really like the Grand Budapest Hotel, too. Yeah. But I feel like with Isle of Dogs, first of all, this redeems Fantastic Mr. Fox for me. Um, I'm like, okay, Wes Anderson actually can do a feature-length animated film. It's just so much fun. It's really smart. It is, of course, done in the typical idiosyncratic Wes Anderson style like you just know when you're watching a Wes Anderson movie yep that that deadpan delivery will get it to you every time you know our our very uh like dead on camera shots the 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 sliding walking motion shots the above the the scene shots all those things Uh, I feel like he reached a peak kind of with his uh, own style in this movie in a lot of ways The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Exactly. Same here. Words out of my mouth. Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex. You're King. You're Duke. You're Boss. I'm Chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs. Atari Kobayashi, you heroically hijacked a junior turboprop XJ750. And flew it to the island because of your dog. got a crush on you. We get the idea. You're looking for your lost dog spots. Does anybody know him? 
All the humans in the movie actually speak Japanese, but the dogs speak English. And the film opens with a mini history lesson told by a couple of dogs.、Uh, they explain that in the past, dogs lived carefree, happy lives. And then the Kobayashi clan, who happen to be cat lovers, this is unsaid, but they always have a cat with them, or they have like cat tattoos, or wearing cats on their kimonos. It, it's clearly shown. Enter in a, a little twelve-year-old boy. He manages to get to Trash Island to look for his dog. That's where the adventure really begins. Like all Wes Anderson films, this movie—it's burst wide open with A-level actors and the usual suspects. So we have Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Scarlett Johansson, and Tilda Swinton. And our lead this time is actually Brian Cranston, and he plays Chief. And we have Caillou Rankin, who plays Atari, who is our little boy. We have heard these voices before. We've seen them before in Wes Anderson films. He is like he has his favorites that he likes to work with, which in some ways is kind of fun, I think. And I'm always a Bill Murray fan. I I adore him, even though he his role in this one was very small this time, but he always does such a good job. And Jeff Goldblum, I'm so excited to hear his voice. I don't think I've actually really seen him in an animated film before. And he played a dog called Duke. He's like a husky dog, and he was like the rumor monger. He's like, "Well, did you guys hear the rumor that?" And like, it was just a running gag throughout the whole whole movie. And the actors do well. I mean, you very much know these voices, but they portray the animals and humans so well. I lose that. You know, I don't. I don't sit there and hear Bill Murray, right, speaking with a dog's mouth. Opening and closing, you know they they actually do a very great job of it. Speaking of the the voice acting, that's like a whole other animal when it comes to performing as an actor. It is not easy. It's not like you sit in a chair and just kick back and relax like we're doing. You're on your feet. You're animated. You are acting it out still. The thing about Wes Anderson films, though, I feel like the acting is always very subtle. So it was really just amazing to me that. You were still able to get across that subtlety in the voice only, and and then rely on the animation, because that that's a whole nother thing. And I'm just thinking specifically of like Moonrise Kingdom, where everybody's really flat、mm-hmm. in that movie. It, they were very almost expressionless, this blasé attitude, and yet it it definitely works. But with the animation, the voice acting, I was like, how's that going to come across? And yet it did, and it worked so. Well, deadpan humor can be difficult as an actor or actress. Doing it as voice acting, I can't fathom. It blew me away because, like, you really—I think you have to use your imagination as an actor to to get those nuances, those very minute inflections in your voice,、mm-hmm. and that just shows, you know, the caliber of these, the whole cast. Really, I I felt that the the story was so full with. Even the slightest context nuances that I almost feel like I want to watch it again and catch things that I might have missed because there's just so many little nuances in it that I almost fear that I missed something. You know, because that it's very Wes Anderson like where I I loved the story and the story. Felt very fluid throughout, but yeah, I, I almost want to watch it again and catch some of、yeah. the things I might have missed. Well, I feel like with 
particularly with the, the animation and Wes Anderson has like almost like this OCD compulsion to like manage every single little detail and in the animated world like you literally are manipulating every single detail when there's smoke and like I like how they portrayed the smoke or um, you know the sneezing um, when the, the tears in the eyes of the, the the dogs and the humans were so so well done my household is very good at passively watching movies like rom-coms and still sitting there and checking our Instagrams or playing our games. And this is not a film that you could do that with because Mm -hmm. those nuances are there and they spent a lot of hours making those where, you know, the the tears well up in the eyes and, and things like that. And I think that's what makes it such a great film are those intricate details. Yeah, it really, it commands your attention. You can't be a passive watcher of this film. I really want to hand it out to all the the Japanese actors because like I said, um, all the humans are played or voiced by uh, Japanese actors uh, and they speak Japanese. Not everything is translated. Sometimes there's subtitles. Sometimes you have a translator and sometimes you just have to infer by what the English speaking characters are saying which I found was a really just fun way of telling a story. Uh, Not many films do that. I can't think of any that come to mind that are quite like that. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Sometimes you don't need interpretation to understand what's going on. And they very much made that apparent when the dogs would, would stand there and listen to the young boy, and he would be going off and they would go, gosh, I wish we knew his language. And that's not really far off from dogs and humans in the real world where, you know, I could be crying and all my dog wishes for is to know what was wrong and that he could vent to me about it. And I actually kind of loved that not everything was interpreted. And it, the cross-cultural worked so well, so seamless in this movie that you just thought that that was standard happenings. That's just what happens. You don't always know what's going on, but you can get the gist of it. (laughs) Absolutely. And I really want to talk about the relationship between the dog Chief, uh, played by Brian Cranston, and then Atari, again, Koyu Rankin. You know, it was such a a cute story. So Chief was a stray dog. Um, he didn't have a home, and he, he his thing is he's like, I bite. And so he, he he doesn't like people. He doesn't like humans. And then his his pack, they end up wanting to help Atari find his own dog, Spots. And there's a point in the film where Chief and Atari get separated from the other dogs. And so you have this really sweet interlude where Chief actually learns to begrudgingly fall in love with Atari. And for anybody who's like worked with rescue dogs and you have to earn their trust, it was fun to see that, but you saw it through Chief's eyes. I just really liked that relationship and Atari, you know, being really sweet and just persistent and kind and winning Chief over. And he doesn't even really want to admit it until the end of the movie, which is just uh, It just got me in the feels. As a dog lover myself, I will not say that I didn't tear up several times uh, during the film. But yeah, it, that was a very special relationship. And 
I, I agree with you. It's it's very much of a earning of trust. And that that was a very powerful relationship within the film. Mm-hmm. One more thing I want to hit on, too, is the, the, the writing in this film was really smart. I mean, you might be distracted and wowed by the visuals, which is totally understandable. But this is one of those films that you will want to see twice because you just you're going to see like you already kind of touched on this Tuesday, but you're going to see stuff that you missed the first time around because it's so visually interesting. But really listen to the dialogue. It's just so smart and witty. I just uh, it. It gets me every time. That's one thing I love about Wes Anderson films. It's so off the cuff. And then you go back, you're like, that was a brilliant line. And you know I love my underlying stories. So, of course, I will tell you, keep an eye out for those underlying political tones. Uh, exile, scapegoating, political divide, and how they can relate to both our current country situation as well as foreign Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs, that is a resounding, you got to get into the theater and see it now. (laughs) And it's only in special locations, so make sure to look it up. Yeah, it's it's being treated like some sort of special independent film, but it's totally worth finding and seeking out. Well, that's it for this episode of Whiskey and Popcorn. Uh, Come find us online on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back with more reviews, interviews, and much more soon. Until then, she's Kaylee. And she's Tuesday. Thanks for listening. 